We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Oh, and how good did that feel? There's nothing like a good victory away from home against a top side. Haven't felt that for quite a while now, but uh, definitely feeling it today. The uh, the freezing cold weather and all, all the crap in life that comes up just feels a little bit better when Arsenal win and win well. In today's show, we've got the usual guests. We've got Paul... Elliot and James all um, rather excitedly talking about the Manchester City victory at the Etihad Stadium. Yep, you heard that, at the Etihad Stadium. Just a few words of my own. I mean, come on, I've got to say a few things here. It's not every day that we beat the richest team in the country with a clean sheet at their own ground. A good performance all around. I was quite shocked about um, the lineup. Well, not totally shocked because there were always going to be one or two changes that would have Raised an eyebrow or two. First of all, Ospina started in goal again, which is what that might happen. There was some reports earlier on in the week that um, Wojciech might be coming back into the team, but it was obviously false. Uh, but Hector Bellerin starting on right back. That's a bit of a, a brave call. And it looks like Arsene's, Arsene's um, showing his faith in, in the young Spaniard. He played very well. Also, Aaron Ramsey came back into the team. I thought that might happen. Um, Ramsey's engine and ability to get forward would always um, earn his spot back into the side again. Uh, Tom Trzitzki left out, unfortunately for him, but um, cannot complain when you win away from home. He came on and done his part, but yeah. Francis Coquelin again, again, another top top performance. I don't know how many performances he needs to put in like that before people actually give him the credit he deserves. Um, 
It seems to be a but every time his name is mentioned. But he's doing very well. And on one of the most difficult grounds in, in the league, with the most attacking team possibly, he stood his ground and played really well. Uh, what was I going to say? I wanted to talk about... Um, yes. I mentioned in my pre-match article that it was now's a good time to play Man City and that seemed to be the case. Um, they had a lot of the ball but they couldn't break through us. And we defended very well and um, were, were very compact in how we defended. And, and we tried to play them on the break. We've done that quite well. We, we missed a few last passes in the final third and um, made some bad decisions going forward but we looked, we looked very dangerous. But um, yes, why didn't we do that last season? It's something I'll never understand. But um, yeah, when he needed to be compact and determined and aggressive, and we were all of those today. Uh, back four played well. Didn't give any space to Man City to run in behind. Makes a difference. Santi Cazorla. Oh, oh, Santi Cazorla. Wonderful player. I mean, oh, just seriously. He might not be the best player in in our squad. Might not be the best player in the league. But for me, watching him play is just... I love it. I just love... I love everything about his game. And just... in Those tight spaces when the ball... You know, he's got about three players around him. He's like... Ding, 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 ding. Just seems to play through people. He's just... Oh. And his energy. Unbelievable. We signed Cazorla and Podolski at the same time. A small Spanish player who hadn't played outside of, of Spain... And we bought a big, strong German. So if I told you back then that one of the players would be shipped away on loan and the player would be, would be working his socks off, chasing people and putting tackles, you wouldn't have, have believed it would be little Santi. Podolski's the one to leave. But yeah, his form is amazing at the moment. And his form is so much so that, in my opinion, as crazy as this sounds, you bring Ozil back into the squad, to the team, you can't play him in, in, in the 10 position because... You can't take Santi away from there, really. I know if you take Urza away from 10, in the number 10 position, his game's more affected than Santi's because Santi used to play there for his previous club. The way he's played at the moment, you you can't take him out of the side. You can't take him out from a position because he's, he's just dominating teams. You know, he's putting his foot in, he's, he's bursting past people with scoring penalties again, making goals as he's done for the second goal as well. Wonderful player, and um, he deserves to be on a winning team today. And we were very good. So I'm going to pass over to the guy talking more more depth about this. Up the Arsenal, I'm feeling quite confident now. Feeling really, really good. Um, just need to not lose any more players and um, try and buy a central defender in this window, and we're we're good to go. Hopefully, uh, yeah. So here they are, all James Elliott. Take it away. No witty intros for this one. Arsenal kicked the shit out of Manchester City in Manchester, and we fucking loved every minute of it, except all the minutes where we bit our nails uh, down to the nub. Uh, My name is Elliot Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner, and I hope you will, because for the next seven minutes, all tweets will be of a positive nature. I can't guarantee anything beyond that. Uh, You are listening to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, as you probably know by now. We are coming to you right after... Arsenal's predictable triumph in Manchester at the Etihad. Um, A wonderful 2-0 victory. Could have been more 
in point of fact. And we will dive into all the exciting points. And I will still manage to come up with Elliot's Criticism Corner. Have no fear. Um, but first, let's introduce you to our regular pod guests. Uh, the ever optimistic and ebullient at the moment, James, is joining us. You can follow him at GoonerFanatic49. Very important that you get that right. GoonerFanatic49. I've probably gotten it wrong. Um, but James, welcome to the pod. A very, very good evening or good afternoon to the both of you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, yes. Uh, and as ever, Poznan, in my pants could not be a more apropos time for blogger slash tweeter Poznan in my pants, otherwise known as Paul. Paul, uh, did you do a little Poznan in whatever room you were in at the time of the game taking place? Uh, well, in fact, yes, and this is where, as you may may possibly remember if you follow me, this is where I got my name from the last time we beat City, and they were doing those stupid Poznan celebrations, and uh, we beat them 1-0, and that's where I christened what was going on in my pants. Well, we are certainly happy to have you doing that in your pants today. So, yeah, it was just a glorious, glorious day. Um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, that's it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll get uh, back to you after the next. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, all right. So there's so much to talk about. I, I mean, first of all, before we get into the man of the match, who is Santi Cazorla, this will be another one of the pods where I tell you who the man of the match is, and then you have a chance to try to come up with someone else. Because I think on days like today, when it's pretty clear, sometimes it's fun to pick a, an alternate. But let's start with how we set the team up. Ospina kept his place in goal. Um, there was some talk that he might go with a Flamini Coughlin midfield, but he didn't. He brought Ramsey back in um, to play alongside Coughlin, who has really made that position his now, at least in the absence of Arteta. Um, he went with Bellerin over Chambers at right back. Those were sort of some of the key decisions in addition to keeping those on the bench. We'll start with you, Paul. Did he get it spot on? And, and in your mind, which of the critical decisions that he had to make, uh, you know, other than the obvious choices, which critical decisions do you think really uh, made the difference today. So you set it up perfectly. I think uh, I was thinking beforehand, what are the, the selections that maybe didn't surprise me, but I thought could go either way and could be critical before the game started. I think we all would have come up with the same three. Um, Ospina, Bellerin and Coquilin. Um so, uh, you know, bringing Ramsey in was really interesting. I, I expect, so I re expected a couple of things from Ramsey just from past experiences. He wouldn't be his most brilliant best, but he'd basically graft all over the pitch front and back till he dropped. And he'd try some tricksy stuff that wouldn't work. Uh, I'm a little harsh on him because actually one of his tricksy little things he tried, got the ball up to Monreal, which uh, got us our penalty. So I, I think those are some of the, in terms of how we set up, uh, I think it's what we've seen before in the past that we've executed well and that we've executed poorly, you know, going forward on the counter, um, hanging back with, uh, uh, you know, four, four lines, two lines of four. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to your man of the match award. I hope you ask me before James, I'm going to put in my pitch here because there's really only one other candidate go and I want to pick that Just guy. Just go for it. Just steal James's thunder, <laughs> box him out, keep him out of the pod. The last few <laughs> pods, he's, all, he's always got the, <laughs> yeah, the last couple of pods, he's got the, 
the, the first bite at it and taken the only you other the first draft candidate. Go for it. Yeah. And this is the Alexis Sanchez Man of the Match Award, remember, that we're right, arguing about. Right, but it's not going to him today. Today it is the Santi Cazorla Man of the Match Award. Who's, who's your other one? Coquelin. And, okay. and I, I think it's not only because we can't pick Cazorla because he was obviously the man of the match. I think if you take away the couple of eye-catching thing, things Cazorla did, which the fans loved and, you know, and were important and, and, and kind of kept control and kind of kept that momentum, I think Coquelin's performance today was the more critical. He was everywhere he needed to be. He won basically every challenge, every tackle. Uh, one headers was in position, had his eyes on Aguero the whole time, kept his spacing to the two center backs. And the reason, you know, they started to get, get a little tired towards the end. Kishelny and um, Monreal did something a little goofy, but Kishelny certainly looked to be tiring a little bit. But the reason I think our two center backs looked good today was because they had the triangle with Coquelin. So I'll take a breather at that point. That was, that was, to, it's hard to argue, I think. That, yeah, uh, I, I, mean, I, I see what you mean about his job being more important. I mean, obviously, you wonder how Cazorla in such a tiny little body can fit such massive balls yeah. to step up and, <laughs> and nail the penalty. And then he did deliver the assist as well for yeah. my, my yeah. personal favorite player, Olivier Giroud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great picking out Coughlin. I, I kind of have another pick, but I'm not going to steal James's thunder as much as I might like yeah. to. I will throw it right over to you first. So, James... Um, uh, as far as the selection, I assume you think he got it spot on. For you, who were the who were the decisions? Who were the players he picked that maybe we wouldn't have expected that you think really turned the game? And as far as a non Santi Cazorla man of the match, who do you have? Well, Paul, what is there for me to say now? Aside from, I'm so happy. I'm so Check so me. so happy. Check. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, you know, first of all, before going into sort of individual performances and, and the team selection as such, the critical aspect of this game was just how well we performed as a unit and as a team and how compact and how resilient we were and how tough we were to break down. Aside from how well the players played selectively, how, how well Bellerin did coming in at right back in a very tough game at the Etihad, especially given the performances he's had away to Borussia and to Stoke. Um, that was obviously a slight concern going into the game, but you can see how much easier it is for you to pepper over some slight cracks in in, in certain individual car- um, uh, players, such as, you know, Murdersacker's pace, maybe Bellerin's lack of physicality. When the team performs as well as they did today, everything is so much smoother. Everything is just... I mean, that, watching that match was just such a joy, and it wasn't even a sort of a typically joyful Arsenal performance in, in the way that we often dom- can dominate teams and constantly create t- chances and the, the quick one-twos and the interlink. It was just, it was, you know, in the first half, I think we had, what was it, about 30 35% possession, um, yet City didn't create a single chance. Ospina didn't have anything to do in that first half. It was the best, first, it was the best half of football we've played, and it was a very different type of um, half of football to what to what we've seen over over the last few years. In fact, um, mm-hmm. but going into the selection, I think bringing in Ramsey um, for Rizitsky, a, a player um, Thomas who's been in excellent form over the last couple of games, was um, was critical to the way in which we played because he sat a little bit deeper than you know he wasn't making quite as many surging runs as as we often see from him. It was clear instruction from. 
Arson and um, and for the team as a whole to to sit that little bit deeper. Um, it gave the back four that much more protection. As Paul mentioned, his his grafting and his um, his ability to get around the pitch was just so key to fit to to fill in those little gaps that that would pop up. Uh, made it very difficult for David Silva to get on the ball. Um, and yeah, I think I mean I think Ospina, you know, it's it's three clean sheets in 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 the three games that he's played now. Again, he wasn't tested all that much, but if often with a goalie, the the most important thing is for there to be nothing to complain about as such, and and there can be no complaints over these three games that he's played. And Bellerin with his pace against Clichy, uh, it proved to be a fantastic decision from Arsen. He looks uh, he looks a lot more confident having come out of a. A couple of good games now. He he's fitted into the team very well. Um, as for the man of the ma- the Santi Cazorla man of the match, I, I I would I would love to go Coquelin. Um I think I'm going to have to go Coquelin. Um You know what really surprised? Good man. Good man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to let you completely <laughs> take my thunder, Paul. Um, <laughs> you know I said on the pod last time that. I'm, I was most fearful of Coquelin's perhaps lack of um, positional intelligence, uh, the kind of terrier-like performances we see from Flamini that opens a lot of gaps in that in that defensive area. And to be fair to him, I thought he was superlative, supreme today. He he really shepherded um, Silva fantastically. His pace, his recovery is is excellent. His his ability to make those tackles. And for someone who's five foot ten, his aerial dominance is very surprising. He's got a great leap on him. He provides that extra cover for those those deep balls that are played in. Um, he wins a lot of headers from uh, from goal kicks. So he provides that extra sort of dominance that we don't really see with Mathieu. Um and we we do see to a certain extent with Mikel. And furthermore, his possession on his his ability to um, to spread the ball today or or to to make those little, uh, those, those tough little passes around around players, etc. In tight situations, his ability to to, to shimmy slightly and, and create that little bit of space very deep in our own half was was excellent actually. And that's again another aspect of of his game that we've perhaps been slightly critical of. And in a game of this magnitude and this importance, it's it's a real testament to Coquelin's character. Now it's a testament to the way in which he's he's been growing as a player and. And fair play, you know, coming from Charlton, coming in these last few games, he's he's really filled in a spot, and it's 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 still a position that we we des- we certainly need. But I think it's one that we can now wait to fill in the summer because that that was a fantastic performance in in a in a much needed um, game to grab the three points, and this Absolutely. this really could be the you know the game you know we've we've looked for that that springboard that that game that can cr- create that momentum, and th- this really really could be it. That's that's a performance that we can look to, especially against the big side, and say we can concede possession of the ball, we can we can sit back, we can be compact, and we can hit teams on the counter, and we can you know that that's something you want to you want to carry into Champions League away games, playing in United away, those types of games, and I'm, I I hope to see more of it in the near future. Absolutely, I mean I'm I'm not going to talk about turning corners yet because I think you know every time we turn a corner we turn another corner. Um, so I, I I'm happy to just let my... sorry. Very quick. I, I banged on about one thing. Yeah. Apologies. Yep. There, there is one corner that has been turned, not necessarily in within this season as such, but 
the the kind the curse that has been hanging over us our inability to win away from home against the big four that that you know that in some regards is, is a so-called corner that has been turned yeah i mean but to home. me it's kind of like oh we won the fa cup and that got the trophy pressure off our back and now we're going to push on and and not have that pressure and compete for the title and like we haven't done that so i i mean you know i think sometimes we want everything to be a reflection of something else. You know, this win means this going forward. I And I banged on for a long time that I'd be fine finishing top four most years if we had big wins to celebrate. This doesn't need to be a reflection of anything else for me. This doesn't need to be an indicator of anything else. I'm happy we beat the champions. I enjoyed everything about it. I'm going to gloat about it all week. I'm going to bask in the glow of it until our next game. Like, I don't need it to mean anything else. I can actually just celebrate it because when this season is over and we're doing a postseason podcast review and you say, what was one of your high points of this season? This is going to be one of them. So for me, it doesn't have to reflect on anything. Paul, I know you wanted to add to to what uh, James was saying, though. So um, why don't you jump in with that? And then I want to get to something else tactical about the match and just about how the manager sent us out. Sure. And I agree with your sentiments on the City result. And I think from an Arsenal standpoint, you know, we can't give them any garlands at this point. They've got to earn it. You can only prove it on the pitch. Now we've got to go and beat somebody else. And that's just the way it is in football. So I, I fully endorse your your... You know, we go to, but, but let's be fair, we, we go no. too low when things go badly. No. Yeah. So, so let, let me just jump in and interrupt because that's kind of what I do. Um, <laughs> I'm the first to, to, you know, sulk when we lose a game and complain and bitch and moan. I, I'm happy to celebrate this in isolation without it having to be, be meaningful beyond anything other than the win. Beating the champions on their patch. That's huge. I'm super happy about it. And I don't care if it means anything else uh, at all. But so, so James, real, real quick, uh, actually, Paul, real quick, before before we go back to James for a second to add to that yeah. um, and, and lose all structure and form, unlike Arsenal today. Um, <laughs> uh, I know you wanted to add to, to some some of the specific player analysis that yeah. that uh, James was was delivering. Actually, we're getting just like Arsenal after the start of the second half where you thought, oh, my God, we're going <laughs> to go in a... Yeah, we've lost your shape. But anyway, here's what I want to ask you two guys on Coquelin. Um, you, you, I agree with everything James said on him, and everybody feels good about him. There's something about him in terms of his athleticism. He Watching him for most of the 90 minutes is like watching a player that comes on at 70 minutes and has more spring in his step all over the park. And you think, oh, that's that's the kind of, he's the freshest player on the field. And he has that athleticism, that, that spring, that quickness, that first step that, you know, when you look at the, the players you would compare him to on the pitch today, it would be Fernando and Fernandinho. And we're so often seeing, used to seeing other players having that extra, not just the awareness, that's nice, he, he's getting that, not just the control, but, um, you know, that, that spring, that athleticism that makes you feel we have the edge in that position that I find very, very uh, reaffirming, invigorating when I see him play. Mm -hmm. I agree, Paul. Um, I think Coughlin, obviously, since he's come back in, it's a short period of time, but he's really impressed. Um, I think there's one thing that we forget about players. Part of them succeeding is about talent. But part of it is about application. We've seen that with players like J. Emmanuel Thomas. Um, and Coughlin was brought to Arsenal for a reason. He obviously had some talent. Um, 
it didn't look like he was going to make the breakthrough, in part because he had a lot of players ahead of him in the pecking order, and in part because he just didn't seem to quite be developing into the player that the manager, I guess, wanted him to be. But truthfully, in a defensive midfield position, athleticism and effort can get you 90% of the way there, especially when you have technical players around you, because Coughlin isn't required to play the cute passes as much. I mean, I know the way Arteta plays the position, he does that, but we have so many technical players in the side. And Coughlin has come back from Charlton, and what he's looked like is a player who's desperate, who's hungry to prove he can still play at the top level. And that hunger, combined with his athleticism, combined with his you know, ability to stay switched on and have that energy. I mean, at one point during the match today, we saw him shouting at the other players, you know, admonishing them for not being organized. Um has really benefited him. And the reality is, no, he, he doesn't have the past completion statistics of an Arteta. He doesn't have the technical ability of an Arteta. But if he can do the job of, of tracking back and tackling well and winning headers and competing in the duels, and his, his statistics today, you know, show just how successful he was. I think he had, you know, 11 clearances, seven aerial duels won, six interceptions. I mean, he did his job well. Um James, I know you took issue, or not took issue, I took issue with you, which, you know, if I'm nothing if not uh, disagreeable, uh, about the idea of turning a corner. I mean, I, I want to just clarify my point. We may well have turned a corner, and this may well benefit us in coming games, but I'm happy to celebrate it as merely a win against a big team away. I mean, like, sometimes I think we want things to always have to mean something for the future, even the FA Cup win. Oh, it means the trophy drought is off our back. Well, sometimes it's great to just celebrate a win. So, uh, you know, as far as turning the corner, I know you wanted to sort of clarify your position on that and also respond to Paul's comments on Coughlin. Right. Completely concur. What I mean by have turned the corner with regard to the top four sides is not that this necessarily has any indication for the fact that our performance is against the likes of Chelsea and, and United and um, perhaps to a certain degree Liverpool at Anfield is going to be better than, than we've seen over the last couple of seasons, that we can now go into those games with, a, with far more optimism and, and expectation, purely because of off the back of one game. But merely in the sense that there is, there's been this consistent idea from pundits, from fans alike, this sort of immediate sense of self-deprecation to a certain degree, or um, a kind of resignation that games of this ilk are ones that will continuously pass us by. Um, and have continued to pass us by that we've we've approached them in a very s similar methodical way, in a, in a manner in which opposition managers have have found very easy to play against with with the kind of resources and and players that they've had at their disposal, mm -hmm. and merely it's 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 a demonstration of a different way in which Arsenal and Arsenal have showed that they can go about playing these types of games, and it's fantastic to just sort of admire it and, and, and bask in it in the moment. Um, and I, I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to reverberate um, over, the, over the coming weeks and months and, and seasons, but it, it certainly gives a lot of hope, especially to us as fans, that, that, there is, that there's another way of going about these games and, and, and one in which has proved certainly today to be very effective. Mm -hmm. um, but moving, moving on to Cock very briefly... Or Lecoq. Um, I mean, as you said, his you know he won seven headers, which was out of out of eight aerial duels that he competed in. Uh, his even we've talked about just now. Perhaps the the thing, the aspect of his game that's lacking is is the technical side, 
But still, an, an 86.9% com, uh, pass completion rate, especially often under circumstances in which he's he's under significant pressure. He's, he's forced into very sort of tight air, areas, albeit in the middle of the field, where he's surrounded by a couple of players, and it, he, he's got to be particularly precise um, when, when, when finding that ball that kind of breaks that line that, that allows us to move forward. His, his tackling was 100%. His dribbling was 100%. I mean, in effect... You know, he he misplaced five passes all day and lost a single header. Aside from that, is technically his performance was was somewhat perfect. Um, and and that obviously using statistics is is slightly exaggerating his performance as a whole. But but still, it it, it does speak volumes to a certain degree. And it's it's very promising because obviously it's been a position that that we've we, we've fretted about significantly. And it's he's this isn't the panacea to our issues there in 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 the base of midfield. But it it's certainly uh. Perhaps a, a short gap, um, or at least a, a strong backup option to have. And I agree with Paul in the sense that that athleticism in that position can prove to be so key, um, not just in in the way in which he's able to to play it at at full, almost at full speed throughout the game, but his that that speed allows him to recover on the times that he may miss a challenge. Um, we often saw that if we if we lost the ball in in midfield, perhaps through through Ramsey, and there was a little bit of space that that opened up, he was the player that was that was coming back and trying to and filling in that gap, and um, often uh, was sort of the first the, the first man to to clear clear the, the low cross or the cross that would come in. So it it was a fantastic performance to watch, and it it, it really provided that base for us to to push yeah. on and um, really was key was key and pivotal in, in getting that win. I mean it's easy to forget, but this is a player whose top flight career was hanging over the abyss. I mean, he was on loan at Charlton not with an eye at coming back to Arsenal and becoming an important player for us. I, I think it's safe to make that assumption and maybe that was the kick up the ass he needed to say, you know, if I do get another chance, at the very least, I'm gonna run myself till there are holes in my boots, you know, and, and work my, my ass off to do everything I can to to make sure that I have a top flight career. And and in that position, sometimes that can be enough. I think the difference between him and Flamini is simply that Flamini no longer physically can do the job. Um, you know, I mean, and maybe that's just an oversimplification, but in a lot of ways, I think they have similar qualities. But Coughlin is 24 years old and, and has the athleticism to do it. Um, Paul, final thoughts on Coughlin, who obviously, I mean, had a great game. You know, the, the transfer window is open. I don't think anybody thinks we're going to be getting a defensive midfielder this window. Arsene Wenger made a comment after the match that I thought was interesting. Um, and I don't know the question that he was responding to, but he said, people are very quick on their judgment. You forget that we had many defenders out all season. Sometimes the fact you have to find solutions internally is a blessing. Um, you know, I, I don't think we should answer today if Coughlin is the DM of the future going forward because I want to stay focused on the match because it was such an important match. But final thoughts on Coughlin's performance today? Yeah, he, uh, we've all seen that there's been an ongoing debate about what what's real and what isn't with Coughlin. There was quite a bit of criticism on his positional play, on maybe his tidiness, uh, on his concentration. But the point I'd like to make is this is a guy who's played very, very few games for Arsenal started very few if you look at this season i think he started i'm just looking up now in the premier league he started four games and if we look back on those four games i can't call them out but the first two if i remember them right he wasn't match fit and you saw him fading in the second half mm-hmm. uh, and and he's of those maybe only three of them he's been the main man at dm 
So this role of being the, you know, starting for Arsenal is one thing. You know, I think it was in 11, 12 or something like that. He started six games or maybe it was 10, 11. But, but he would have been like, you know, 18 going on 19 kind of thing. And he would have, been, would have been the second guy. And we were all pretty impressed with him. And then he seemed to tail off. Really, in this DM spot, he's completely new to it. I know he knows these guys in training, but he, he hasn't been playing DM in training over the years. He's been playing one of the D, the more defensive midfielders. He's had a couple of games at DM for Arsenal where he's been the main man, where he's been fit enough to play 90 minutes in his career as a, in the Premier League. So I think judgments on his intelligence, his positioning, you know, DMs should be 26, 27, 28 in terms of positional intelligence. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be the answer long term. But I just think this guy has a lot of upside. Let's see if he can convert it. Yeah, I mean, look, let's let's remember three games, four games into the season, people were saying that Callum Chambers was the best signing of the summer in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not in any way taking away from what Ch- uh, Coughlin has achieved, but we know a lot about this player. The manager knows a lot about this player. This is not an 18 year old. This is this is an established player to some extent, and he was at Charlton for a reason. So I'm not going to go overboard. But when a player steps in and plays well, they deserve credit. And when they play well at the Etihad and beat the champions, they deserve huge credit. Um, another player who deserves huge credit is a player that I'm not sure a lot of people thought would start. I'm so glad he did. I mentioned Callum Chambers. Um, He's a player that, in my estimation, was overhyped at the beginning of the season. Not because he's a bad player, just because he was never the world beater he was made out to be. He's he's a difficult player to assess because some people think he looks more like a center back, although he's never really played there in his career. Um, And he doesn't have a lot of right back experience. And when he's played there, he hasn't looked great. The manager picked Bellerin today. We saw just how important recovery pace can be. Early in the match already, it, it was clear. But he showed real... Uh, awareness, tactical, astute tactical decision-making. I even thought he showed some really nice moves, e- even as the match wore on, to to get up the pitch and beat some tired Manchester City players. His engine looked fantastic. Paul, I mean, I, I was of the opinion, I said this on another podcast, that with Debussy gone, we could not rely on Bellerin and Chambers at right back for the rest of the season. That That was too big a risk based on their lack of experience collectively. What did you think of Bell- the job Bellerin did today, and and you know how important was that to the win? And and you know for me, I thought going into this game, um, to not let you answer the question, but just to continue talking, um, <laughs> that the left side of our defense with Murtasacker and Bellerin, you know, being attacked by the likes of Cunaguero and Nasri, thankfully wasn't fit, but Milner, I I thought they'd be on skates and that it would be a real challenge and. That never really materialized. Aguero was relatively quiet. Silva didn't cause us a lot of trouble. How important was Bellerin today? How impressed were you by him? All right. Well, if I can get a word in edgeways. All right. Good answer. So, James, here's a no. <laughs> go ahead, Paul. <laughs> so, what I really, uh, I, I think a lot of people felt a, a real pump of excitement when they saw Bellerin picked a right back, and I was one of those. Uh, of course, it can turn to shit. You know, Chambers could have had a great game. Bellerin could have had a great game. Chambers could have had a shit game. Bellerin could have had a shit game. You never know. They're young guys. And that's to your point of, you know, can we risk it going forward? It's a gamble. But but I am excited about Bellerin. I think we all are. What I liked was Per, who can can obviously be vulnerable because of a lack of pace, was surrounded by Bellerin, Kishalny, and Kakala. And I don't think it's any 
accident that per actually looked pretty decent today. Um, and I, I concur with all your points on Bellerin getting forward. He, you know, he's a young guy, so his positional decisions might get a little iffy, but he's got so much pace. It's almost a ruse, you know, give the guy a little space, let him get a sprint on you. You'll claw him back before he gets to the byline. So uh, I, I thought he was great. I thought he gives us some real energy and some threat on that side going forward. Uh, he's always a threat and he can always cover back. And a quiet word from Monreal, who, who I think did really good today. You know, he's going to know Navas. Uh, being a compatriot, I believe, if I got my nationalities all sorted well, out there. And, and not, let's not forget Silva as well. Yeah. Well, it's easy to forget Silva, thank God. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, when jo- Jovetic came on in the second half and they had two playmakers wandering around, that they looked pretty threatening there for a while till we got to grips with it. But it just shows you how well we did with just Silva on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the manager was understandably uh, upbeat after the match. And, you know, I think he just sort of praised the way everyone did their job. Um, He was asked about the penalty, and he said from the bench it looked like a penalty. He hadn't gotten a chance to see it again. Uh, James, I I thought it was a penalty. Uh, From what I understand, the people in the studio, various studio shows, felt it was a penalty as well. Um, what, uh, What do you... What do you think? Was it was it a penalty? And if it was a penalty, why no card for company? I mean, I mean, obviously the game worked out, but we they very easily could have been down to ten men a number of times. What company, you know, riding his luck on a yellow card? What do you think about the decision on the penalty and the decision not to give a yellow card there? I think it's a definite penalty. I think the only reason why you debate it is because company was was somewhat sly in the way in which he went about the challenge. Yeah, put, um, put his hip forward, but pulled his right. arms away. Yeah, exactly. So it it almost looked somewhat accidental, as if Monreal just ran into him. So I think that may have covered up the true extent to um to the foul itself that was committed, which may have led to uh, was it Mike Riley, uh, Dean, whoever it was, um, not brandishing the yellow card. Also, perhaps in certain situations, um. It does make sense that if you've already, if you've, if you've awarded the, we often talk about with the last man ruling, perhaps it's preferable to just get brandish the yellow card and give the penalty. Maybe in this case, it was a little 50 50 as to whether a card should be brandished. So um, the referee just decided to keep the cards in his pocket. It, to be honest with you, and perhaps it's because we're off the back of a, a 2 0 victory at the Etia, but I thought the refereeing performance was actually pretty, pretty strong. I, I he didn't, he didn't little... get the big decisions wrong, did he? I mean, that, that's what you ask from a referee, right? Is that they're fairly consistent and they don't get the big ones wrong. Absolutely. And I, and I think he was just that. I must say, because we've talked a lot about the players that have done well. And obviously, looking at this this match and this performance, it's the way in which we defended as a unit that, that was the major um, plus point and, and what gave us that, that grounding to go on and get the win. And... I was certainly concerned after three minutes to see Koscielny get a booking. I thought that was a disaster in in, in the making of, of <laughs> especially at that time. You you had that feeling that it, it was going to be one of those one of those Laurent days where um, he get a sending off um, not too late in the game and yep. and put us under the cosh. But we talked. Paul talked about Monreal. He's I think we've mentioned it several times throughout the pods that he's been a bit of an unsung hero. He's been very, very solid 
um, and he's he's very much grown as a as a left back since his centre centre back um, displays. Koscielny, I thought, was excellent actually. Um, after kind of the Santi and the the Coquelin performance for me, Koscielny was was next in line. I think. Sorry. Oh, that. Sorry, I just saw Kunaguero sort of um, popping out of Koscielny's back pocket just then. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <he's... laughs> Let's not get cocky, okay? <laughs> Let's take the win with, with some dignity here. <laughs> dignity? Well, you know, to, to be fair, you'd want to get in Koscielny's back pocket because you could spend time with Lionel Messi back there. But, yeah, <laughs> he did that to him once. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Arsene Wenger made an important point in his post-match comments about scoring the first goal and how important the first goal is and how that changes these games. I mean, we know this about Arsene Wenger is that sometimes when he falls behind in away games, instead of keeping it close, he just throws caution to the wind. I mean, look, look what we did against Manchester United at home. We fell one nil behind and then played crazy kamikaze football, which was as likely to get us the equalizer as it was to, to concede again, which is what happened by scoring the first goal today. It reinforced that our strategy was working. Um, you know, Paul, we've seen so many games in the past where we've tried to play like this and sometimes even played like this fairly well, but been a little unfortunate, conceded first, then started to chase the game and then it's fallen apart. How much was circumstance and how much was tactical today? Was this a huge tactical shift from Arsenal or was it just that we executed the plan a little better and by scoring first, we were it reinforced our it, it furthered our ability to continue playing in that manner. Um, as opposed to other games where we've conceded first and had to kind of abandon that strategy and start going hell for leather. Yeah, I think, again, you raised a good point, which was I definitely felt we didn't have bad luck today at the Etihad. I don't want to say we were lucky because that's not right. We, we the luck we got, we deserved. The of bad luck. <laughs> yeah, and we got it in the right order. I mean, it's one thing getting a penalty, right, mm -hmm. which we generally never get at Old Trafford or never get at Stamford Bridge. But we we got a penalty. And credit to company, what he did well, and the reason there's some debate over the penalty, is he just kind of kept it low-key. I mean, he did a pretty good acting job. He hit the guy, he hit Monreal, but he didn't hit him hard. He hit him enough. You know, it's so often they get away with that. Monreal didn't have the ball, remember? He was one-twoing it. Mm -hmm. So the referee has his get-out-of-jail, I wasn't really looking kind of thing. Right. So uh, it was absolutely a penalty, but we don't always get those. So... And when we got it, it was just the perfect timing and it allowed us to keep executing our game plan. Uh, back to the, you know, what was the difference today apart from it, it always, you know, getting a penalty nice and early on always helps that kind of a game plan. The personnel on the pitch, and so often in the past, the personnel on the pitch haven't been, haven't clicked, haven't gelled. We've had one or two weak links. And if you look at the leak, weak, potential weak links today, they would have been the Bellerins, the Coquelins, etc. But those guys are actually proving over the last few games that they're kind of up to snuff. So we didn't have the weak links. The back four know each other. The back, if you want to call them five or six, uh, know each other. And, you know, the real joker in the pack would have been Os Ospina, but because everybody in front of him did well enough, he still hasn't been fully tested. So uh, uh, I think the obviously mentally we're getting a little stronger. I think there's a confidence now in the squad with the players coming back with a deep bench. I mean, that's the other factor. You know, Arson got to play chess with the, uh, the substitutions so that after 60, 70 minutes, you know, we brought on 
Who was it we brought on nice and early? Oh, um, we, we brought on Riziki for Oxford Chamberlain. Yeah, and, and, they brought and, on Lampard and we raised their Lampard uh, with the Rizitsky. So that was a nice early move. And then we brought on two more defensive subs in Gibbs and Flamini. And there was, you, you know, I don't know if they were the perfect sub you look for, but they, you know, they're both experienced. They're both relatively fit. Um, so I, I, to me, it was the personnel there to execute and to execute in the closing phases and the maturity generally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the interesting thing is City didn't look like they knew how to break us down. And, uh, you, you know, there there were a lot of openings in attack. I mean, Ospina, for one, must think this goalkeeping for Arsenal lark is a breeze. He must not <laughs> know what all the what all the fuss is about, because he's like, you stand in net. They chant your name when you kick it long and then stand in the net some more. Like, that's basically all he's had to do uh, when he started. But l- let's talk about the attack a little bit. I, I thought Arsene Wenger, typically, a- as good as the game was, you know, he, he always would rather, you know, draw a game or lose a game sometimes but play fantastic football because I think it just sticks in his craw when, when they don't get it right in attack. Um, you know, he said... Uh, we had many opportunities to score the second goal earlier, but did not take them. But the pitch was not the best, and they defended well. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, though, is he said um, uh, uh, th- there was a part. Let's see. I have it here. Ah, we, we could even have done better on counterattacks. We played high up, high up in their half and very deep in our half, and it worked, which is actually very true. I, I mean, there, I looked at heat maps. There wasn't a lot of play in the middle of the pitch. It was either deeper in our uh, half or in their final third. But let's analyze the, the attack for a minute, because interestingly today, um, James, Bellerin, Monreal, Koscielny, Mertesacker, Ospina, Coughlin, Santi, they were excellent. Ramsey, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Sanchez, and even Giroud go aside. Not so excellent exactly. What You know, what did you think? Did, do you think it was nerves and the big game nerves factoring in? Because there were a lot of loose touches um, a lot of, you know, opportunities in their final third on counterattacks where we couldn't find the final ball or there was a heavy touch, which allowed them to dis- dispossess us. Um, what did you make of the way, not the way we attacked, because I thought the way we attacked was effective, but the quality in the final third. Do, do you think there were some nerves there and that maybe the occasion was a little overwhelming at, at first? What, what did you generally think of, of how we attacked uh, in the game? Not really, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you why I think the way in which we set ourselves up meant that the type of attacks we created, which first and foremost meant we, well, not necessarily attacks as such, but at least the the, the number of times that we had the ball in and around the city um, penalty area and certainly within the city half was was much um, further and few, uh, fewer between. And... In that sense, given the counter-attacking style of play that we um, went ahead with, the types of attacks that you're going to create are are slightly more risky in the sense that they're far more direct. You're putting yourself in situations in which it's it it it's a it's a one or a zero end result, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was anything down to confidence. I, you certainly can't say that a player like Sanchez is someone who. Um, who lacks any confidence whatsoever. But, but certainly you'd acknowledge there were some heavy touches that, that we well, haven't seen from him or, or passes that, that were coming up short. He he didn't have the precision to his game or the execution to his game that we've seen, you know, over the last six weeks or entire season, really. Sure, but I think 
the execution as such is a little more difficult when you have a, f- a fewer players surrounding you in that final third. You have slightly fewer options, so you're you're having to choose you're you're having to choose the right option every time. Right. I think there were times when there was a time when Alex and and a separate occasion when when Aaron um really drove at the the back line and and there were two there were two runners um available to them either side and and they kind of they they sort of did did it on the ball didn't didn't choose the opportunity by that by that time the two runs had had strayed offside and and that opportunity was gone but i think that's i think that's slightly more natural when you play that type of game it's it's a lot more fast paced as soon as you get in the final third you're breaking up pace you're you're making quick decisions that's a fair point yeah, you don't have and, the time you don't have the time on the ball to sort of survey the pitch and see what's happening and make the decisions over a longer stretch of time. Absolutely. And I think there was, there was a couple of moments where Alexis picked it up on the left. He, he came inside. He there was one time where he feigned to shoot, gave himself more space down the middle. And um, unfortunately he hit it pretty, di- pretty directly at Joe Hart and Bellerin was close to getting in on the follow-up. But ultimately for the amount of possession City had and the two goals aside, I think we actually created the, the better opportunities. There was that Sanchez chance just then, um, uh, the aforementioned chance. And also Aaron Ramsey had a couple of moments where you could see, you know, the rustiness in his game was was certainly exemplified more more in the, 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 the f- further up the field than, than in the latter um, aspect of the pitch. Yeah, I, overall, and, I, I think he had a very poor f- up game in the final third, but obviously everything else he did on the pitch was his typical energetic uh contributory self absolutely but i think in fact one of the most important aspects of having aaron in the side was he provided a, a fantastic solid base alongside cockerland certainly defensively but also his ability and his energy and um his, his stamina allow him to make those those late late runs and to drive forward on the counter-attack but still give him the opportunity to then immediately come back and and re- recover his his defensive position. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of occasions where you where you do wonder, perhaps should he stay back because then City then were able to break back immediately. They sort of countered the counter, but I think that's that's a risk that you you have to sometimes take to to try, to try and create that goal. And you have to hope that on on those few occasions that your defense are up to scratch to be able to snuff out the danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and just before anyone accuses me of being negative or more negative than usual. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm also starting this conversation with quotes from Arsene Wenger, where he said we could even have done better, you know, on the counterattack. We had many opportunities that we didn't take. So, I mean, you know, I, that's a, a part of the game that he analyzes and scrutinizes very heavily. And, you know, I think I agree with him that we they, they had openings that on a day when we were more clinical and precise and on our game, we might have made even more of them. A player who maybe isn't building on some momentum he had, who, whose position may be vulnerable, I think is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I love Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think there's so much he does well. And what the stats won't necessarily show are the, the tight spaces he got out of in our own half and some of the surging dribbles that he made. Um, from a pass completion percentage, final ball standpoint, scoring goals standpoint, it's not, it's not happening for him. Mesut Ozil is not going to sit on the bench for very long. We know that. The manager rates him too highly to leave him there. Santi Cazorla can't be taken out of the side in this in this form. And Aaron Ramsey clearly is a player that the manager has so much confidence in that he goes straight into the starting 11 in a big away match, having not played for more than a month. So, Paul, let me ask you this. 
with players knocking on the door to come back and Theo Walcott and Danny Welbeck soon and in Ozil, is it pretty hard to see how Oxley Chamberlain keeps his place? What did you think of how he played today? I mean, I, I again, I think he did a lot of things well relieving pressure. Um, and he's a player who I feel like if he could just get a goal, he might go from strength to strength and really go up a gear. But is the window of opportunity for him maybe closing with, with these players coming back now? So amazingly, maybe, but I agree with your general uh, proposition on our attacking today. I think that's about right. I th- definitely think, uh, you know, our execution wasn't perfect, especially early on. There were times where you thought, you know, we might regret this. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the one the one divergence I would have is maybe how you set it up in terms of Vox. I thought he played well overall. Now, as I listened to you talk about it, you're actually reasonably positive about his play. And that was generally how I felt. I thought he did very well. I think that the issue for Oxlade-Chamberlain, and it was the case today, though maybe not with any glaring misses, is that he needs to deliver more in terms of the the big numbers, the the goals and the assists. And that's really where he's, where he's uh, vulnerable. I thought he did very well today. Um, but goals and assists, and he hasn't done it. So yeah. uh, that that to me is why Walcott may well get in, in in the team. The shame of that is that you can see on the pitch and in his words, he relishes playing with, emulating, and learning from Sanchez and become. And, and it's funny some of the people who've who've said very early on, you know, uh, Chamberlain can be like a Sanchez without Arsenal having to go out and spend, you know. $35 million. Bobby McMahon was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't quite, maybe quite spot it then, but when you see it, he's got so much of a similar game and energy, and he's really trying to emulate, emulate that on the field, especially in defense, defensive work rate, where, you know, Theo's saying the right things, but I just don't think his brain's wired the same way. So for me, that's the battle between him and Theo. Uh, Oxley Chamberlain is better in tight spaces, better in getting you out of trouble, works harder. Uh, Theo tries to work hard, but it's just not quite in him. But he has the end, he has the end product in his game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, here's what I would say. I'm happy to let Oxley Chamberlain keep Theo out of the side. I'm happy to let Welbeck keep Giroud out of the side. The problem is that someone's got to give way for Ozil. And it's not going to be Santi Cazorla, and it's not going to be Alexis Sanchez. And unless you're going to play Alexis Central and not play either Welbeck or Giroud or Walcott to keep Oxlade-Chamberlain in, Ox is definitely the player there who's vulnerable. I mean, I am of the opinion personally that Aaron Ramsey is not a guaranteed part of my first 11. He just isn't. And I know James is turning over in his chair, you know, or whatever he's sitting in, beanbag chair, um, listening to me say that. But, you know, for me, Aaron Ramsey... I think is still playing like someone who wants to be Aaron Ramsey from last season. And at least in the final third, it, it's not happening for him. I, I, I mean, the Galatasaray game aside, I think we've seen that all season. Now I realize he was just back today. What you do get with Aaron Ramsey is the energy, the work rate, the, the willingness to, to play for the team. What worries me are the tricks, the flicks, the back heels, the not making the simple pass all the time, but I, we don't need to debate Ramsey because honestly, he's he's an excellent player. He's an excellent option to have, and I think you know, certainly contributed to to today's win. I I was surprised 
that he stayed on as long as he did, given that he looked pretty much out of gas in the second half. Um, but then, you know, the manager opted to take Oxley chamberlain off first. I thought Riziki came in and did well. Um, you know, the, the second half, you saw us growing confidence, and then the, the second goal obviously made a huge difference. Let's quickly just touch on the second goal. Santi Cazorla's delivery from the set piece was excellent. Giroud was in position to, to finish, although there were two other players who may have been in position to finish if he hadn't. Uh, James, how important was the second goal in terms of, you, you know, really giving us the belief? Because we saw at Liverpool, we were 1-0 up, a little bit lucky maybe to be 1-0 up, but 1-0 up nonetheless, tried to soak up pressure and eventually capitulated. Do you think today the second goal was absolutely essential to avoid having the same thing kind of happen that, that happened at Anfield? I do. I, I certainly think it was absolutely vital in securing the three points. We saw going into that second half that City really came at us. It really looked as though they were they were going to claw one back. And you you did have that feeling that if City got one, there was a good chance that they'd probably go on to get a second. We managed to ride out that wave. Um, but with the attacking threat that they had, you know, ultimately ending in somewhat of a 4-2 fall, you did feel that there were there were chances there to be created. And as once that second goal went in, you you could really feel a Arsenal Arsenal as a whole were that much more confidence in their solidarity and the ability to hold a two-goal lead, but also. The City team did look pretty deflated after that second goal. Um, they didn't have quite that attacking verve in them. And as the clock ticked by, slowly but surely, you just felt that the game was squeezed out of City's hands. Um, and it it gave us you know, the platform and the, and, and the cushion necessary to really make it what turned out to be a, a sort of a somewhat comfortable win. Yeah, I, it's it's tough for me because I think that when I look at a performance like this, you know, I, I see a real blueprint, obviously. I think we all do, and I think this is the blueprint. The, the thing you wonder to some extent is, you know, we played Manchester City, the 6-3 aside, and that was a very strange game. The 6-3 aside, I think we've played Manchester City well, probably the best of all of the big sides, Chelsea away, Liverpool away, United away. I mean, and United haven't even been very good, but, but you know, I, I think we've, We've played them well because they do like to come at us and they do leave some gaps at the back. So, you know, this this may be the blueprint for beating City away. Um, you know, the question is, will it work to some extent against some of the other big sides away if, if they're not willing to leave themselves as exposed as City do? But the other thing that, that I think is really encouraging here, I believe City had 15 corners, maybe. I think that's about right. We looked... Totally solid on set pieces, I thought. We didn't look vulnerable to those at all. City really didn't seem to have a lot of ideas of how to break us down, but on set pieces, they didn't look like they were going to get close to scoring. Uh, Paul, just quickly, how impressed were you with Murtisacker and Koscielny and that partnership sort of getting back to its 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 best quality and what, what we've become accustomed to seeing them play like together? And, and how impressed were you in general with how we handled the set piece threat? Um, I, I thought we did great on the set pieces. I agree that overall you had a sense of confidence watching this Arsenal, apart from maybe the first 10 minutes of the second half where it just seemed too open and we're like, 
oh god here we go again yeah riding our luck so and then ironically we uh, i don't know if you'd call a penalty a set piece but if you look at how we scored our two goals one was a set piece and one was a penalty both of which rarely seems to be the case so there's a, there's the irony of that contrast but we look very solid at the back you know given a little time which they've now had Kashelny and Mertesacker you know they've looked very solid in the past Mertesacker without Kashelny is a bad bad thing I didn't like seeing Kashelny limping a bit towards the end I hope that was because of that uh, the tackle he got into rather than his uh, his Achilles playing up uh, but you again, you put that bit of pace around Mertesacker. He's a different player. You got Kashelny, Bellerin, and Kakala, mm. all who are kind of the quickest players on the pitch in those positions uh, in any games we're going to match up in. So um, that I think, you know, Monreal or Gibbs on the other at the other uh, left back position is going to give you what you want on that side with with enough pace. So I think we look very good anytime you get. We can get Bellerin, Coquelin, and Kashelny around Mertesacker. He's going to be able to do his thing pretty well. Yeah. I, I mean, look, nobody doubted that we had the ability, the talent, the class, the quality to beat big teams. What people doubted was the mentality. And, yeah. you know, we showed today that we have the mentality, or, or maybe we're beginning to have the mentality to beat the big teams and beat them away. And that starts with doing doing the things that require discipline and focus, like, you know, not conceding from set pieces, 15 corners, I believe it was not even a, a, a sniff of a goal for city. And, and that that's teamwork, that's effort, that's concentration. And, and they did it with a plum today. Um, let's wrap up with some praise for Santi Cazorla because we, you know, we mentioned that he was clearly the man of the match. And then we haven't really talked about him much, a goal and an assist. Um, a, uh, Arsene Wenger, I was about to say AW. Uh, like this is Twitter and I have to conserve characters. But when I talk, I never conserve characters. So I'm not going to say it that way. Um, Arson said, Cazorla has been superb for a while. Definitely agree. But today he was an, even more influential. The way the whole team defended gave him a lot of the ball, which is interesting because I noticed that too. He was really the one tasked with getting it out from the back, transitioning from defense to attack, and then carrying it through the swaths of open space there were in uh, in the midfield. When you give Santi the ball, you always have a chance. I think that's a great quote. When you give Santi the ball, you always have a chance. What we saw from Cazorla today were the magic feet in particular, the ability to get out of tight spaces. It's it's one of the reasons I think he can be the deep-lying playmaker next to Coughlin because it's just next to impossible to get the ball off him, and he's so good at transitioning defense to attack. But, James, to kind of wrap up, how impressive is Cazorla? You know, on a day, I think it's so nice. You know, we we won a big game away, and we didn't rely on Alexis Sanchez being his sparkling best to do it. And it just shows, you know, I mean, look, as immense as as, as Sanchez has been, it, it's a chance to also let our other players shine and show their, their quality. Cazorla did that today. How impressed were you uh, just with his game from back to front? So impressed. Unbelievably impressed. Um, one of, it's it's easy to to talk up his his attributes in the final third it's it still amazes me just how ambidextrous he is i've i've never known of or seen a player like it um and watching that the twinkle toes of of, of santi it's there's there's just something about it even if it's in and around our own box and him just finding that little bit of that little bit of space and kind of turning 360 on on the opposing player and just making him look like an absolute nonce um it's great to watch in fact 
my favourite moment of the match was probably actually at two 0 up when Sanzi went on that little yes slaloming <laughs> run. He showed you know he he beat about three players. Each time he beat a player, he used a, a different type of sort of piece of trickery or skill to get by them. Um, he's He's got a surprisingly decent turn of pace for you know a very small and you know almost somewhat podgy looking guy. You know he he doesn't strike you as though he would necessarily be the quickest, um, and he's just so intelligent in the way that he he's able to beat um, to beat players. But I actually think aside from that, aside from just the beauty of watching a, a player like Sanzi, um, because he's so pleasing on the eye, is that. What he does very impressively is when when Ramsey makes those surging runs forward, he's he's very intelligent he's, and he works extremely hard to go back and fill in the, the the space that's been left exposed by Aaron. And I think that that was absolutely vital in the way that we played and mm-hmm. in that the entire team, even you know you you what you see Giroud coming back a, a significant amount. You know the way in which we we would drop back and just allow the City's back four to hold the ball, but in within that triangle of Coquelin, Ramsey, and Santi, you can see that there's such a strong understanding, and I think that 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 there's just such a great relationship between three players of, of that ilk, in the sense that you have that athletic, very defensive-minded, tough tackling Coquelin, the all energy, you know, stamina and the the box to box and Aaron Ramsey, and then the twinkle toes Cazorla that can beat him, they can beat a man and and thread that eye of a needle pass. It's it's fantastic to watch. And I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that we can all pretty collectively agree that Meza doesn't get back into the team as an attacking centre mid. Because right now, Santi, that is Santi's position. And the ongoing debate before Ezra's injury was, was how frustrated all of us were not seeing Meza play that number 10 role. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how Arsene gets him back in the side because, as you mentioned, he is going to be put back in the side because he's a player that has so much quality, even if it means that we do a Real Madrid. <laughs> when do we say that? Um, and and only playing for 60 minutes before then bringing on an Ox or a Walcott to fill in that position. I mean, I think you have to look at the possibility of playing Cazorla, at least at home, in the position Ramsey played today with Ozil in the number 10. Cazorla is so good at bringing it from back to front and eluding eluding the press and breaking down pressure and, and getting out of those spaces and getting the ball forward to the attacking players. Uh, I, I think that's thing you have to consider. I know that's not the option you would choose, James, but I, I certainly think it has to be a, a consideration. The one thing I don't think you can do is just shift Cazorla up to the wing again where he doesn't want to be. Um, I think Cazorla has played his way into the right to be allowed to stay central and and part of the center midfield. And when you have a player playing at his level, which was the best player on the pitch today against the champions, you have to keep him in the central midfield. But let's let's start to wrap this up. And, and, you know, I I think, you know, Paul, obviously, Santi Cazorla was the player of the match today. Watching him play this way was was a, a real joy. But one of the things that I think is is so important is just the mentality and the mindset for the players how important is this um how important is this for team morale and for team spirit i mean if fans hate losing big games players must too you know 
Christian Bielik must think, you know, he joined the best team in the world. He's here, been here, you know, for one game. We're one and zero, and we won away at the champions. Um, I mean, how important is it in the big games to win, just so the big players stay happy? They feel like they've joined the right side. The team feels like they're playing for a winner. You know, Van Persie's famous criticism of the direction of the club. How important is a win like this for morale? You know, we I, obviously I didn't want to talk about turning corners, but just in terms of keeping the players in the right mindset. Look, it's absolutely huge. I mean, um, talk about getting a monkey off your back and a monkey with like really unpleasant, nasty habits. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's huge. Uh, you, you can't do anything if you, regardless of the points, if the, the knock against you is you can't beat good teams, you know, eventually somewhere your confidence is g- going to go if you can't, if you can't show that's a lie on the pitch mm-hmm. and it's been true until today. What did I say? It was October, 2010, since we beat one of the top three or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not one of the top three technically, but I think United Chelsea or city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I mean, you know how in the dressing room, you can give all the flowery speeches in the dressing rooms, blah, blah, blah. But somewhere in the back of everybody's minds, you know, these big players who join your team is the fact that you can't beat the top three. Well, we've done it. We beat City away from home and we stuffed them. And, you know, when you look back on it in a week or two, you'll forget any of the bits of luck and the moments when, you know, for 10 minutes, it looked like this could get tricky. You'll remember this game, as you should, as a solid win where we outplayed them and we yep. made them look ordinary. And that's yep. going to be great. And you got people like Gary Neville then saying, I mean, Who's listened to more than anybody in terms of when the tide turns? Gary Neville. The Arsenal players can can get on that train back to London tonight and feel proud. And that is our defensive our defensive performance. He said, Dispense, dis, sorry, defensive display today in the first half. Uh, just one word, hallelujah. Well, that was even more true in the second half. Yeah. So, and his th- criticism ahead the- of the game was, how are they going to stop a player like David Silva with with Francis Coughlin and and you know. We answered the, the, the call, you know, the, yeah. we answered the challenge. Yep. Um, uh, well, all right, look, I, I do want to wrap up so that people have time to get drunk and celebrate, but but the fans demand a, a criticism corner. So we're going to do a really, really quick Elliot's criticism corner. Um, it's going to be a, a one-word answer. Elliot's criticism corner. James, how annoyed were you when Flamini didn't find the easy little pullback cross for Giroud to slam home a third late in the game? Severely. Okay. Um, I, I will say one thing. Mm-hmm. We haven't really talked about Giroud at all. Um, and it kind of coincides with Elliot's criticism corner since... He was terrible, but he scored a goal. <laughs> so we're letting him off the hook. Well, it's it's a player that obviously you have your, um, your qualms, your qualms with, so to speak. But um, <laughs> let's, let's give him this credit. We talked, at least I've talked about one of the big issues I've had with Oli um, is his inability to come up in the big games and, and score important goals. But frankly, he scored against United now, he scored against City away, and he scored against Liverpool away. All of which, perhaps the United goal aside, proves to be pretty crucial goals at very crucial points in the game. Um, so I think, I think you know, that has to at least be mentioned. I do agree... Or I, w- I would attest that in a game like this, when we're playing very counter-attacking football, where pace is of the utmost importance 
in the way in which we attack. Um, Danny he, Danny not... Welbeck would have been more handy today. He couldn't run past the central defenders when we were on the counterattack. Agreed, sure. But I think when you play the way in which we did, um, him being able to crop up with a set piece goal is invaluable. Absolutely. And his, you know, I know he's a striker, gonna... but still, there is something to be said for the defensive contribution of his, which I, I do think can be underappreciated because he does put in a very strong shift, and we, you know, we we tend to um, compliment Danny Welbeck for much the same, and I think that can certainly be said for, for Olivier. He's, he's huge defending set pieces. There's no question yeah. about that. Look, I mean, he, he has his qualities. Paul, you were going to jump in there with something? Just, we had to defend 15 corners. Yep, he was big for that. No no question. Yeah. Look, And I'll I, say one other thing. Yep. Their center backs, I mean, he was banging into those guys, Goodos. So, mm-hmm. uh, who will, who did Montreal play the 1-2 one, one, with, I think? It was, no, it was Ramsey who backheeled it to Montreal, who then played a 1-2, oh, I think probably with right. Giroud. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was the platform. If we want to hand out a little little criticism, criticism, but also some compliments both to Ramsey and Giro. I mean, we got a penalty out of, uh, I criticized Ramsey in his flicks, but that's what they get you. They get, get you into a dangerous area when they come off. Unfortunately, when he does it in front of our penalty box, it can get us into a dangerous situation. We, we saw a little of the younger Ramsey today trying to play it out of the penalty area and getting us into so you see what you guys have done i tried to make Sorry. a criticism corner about matthew flamini and you forced me into making it about <laughs> olivier Giroud. <laughs> you know like, yeah. just when i think i'm out they drag me back in <laughs> um, but hey hey let's leave it there and and look i mean it it's a fantastic win it couldn't have picked a better weekend to do it when all of our other rivals for top four top three top two top one back on title challenge back on uh won this weekend the pressure was fully on, not just to win a big away game, but because of the circumstances, we rose to the challenge. I think it's wins like this that give you the right to start dreaming of Champions League runs and climbing up the table. And, you know, until oh, you win... you hypocrite. Well, well, now, wait a minute. I didn't say we turned a corner. <laughs> I was just going to say, until you win a big game, you don't really have a right to, to go oh, online and say, yeah. oh, you know, I think we can go hypocrite. on a run. You, you, you're still muttering it under your breath, but I'm a hypocrite. Is that what you're doing? I hear you. Um, anyway, look, great win. Couldn't be more happy. Everybody, including the manager, deserves huge praise. It was a team effort. This wasn't one man carrying us. This wasn't the players bailing out the manager. This was this was everybody pulling in the same direction. It was brilliant to see. Um, and and I fully look forward to this having meant we turned a corner. A- every corner. <laughs> All so Elliot, the corners. Elliot, just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Do I now have the right to be optimistic? Well, for, for you know, seven <laughs> days or what? Until, until, until we go lose at Brighton. Honestly, I don't care if we go lose at Brighton. What, what's our next league fixture? Someone easy and at home? Is it Villa at home or something? Can it, can it please be something easy? <laughs> Make it last. Uh, yeah, well, let's see. The next weekend is an FA Cup weekend, correct? Um, yes. Perhaps. Fuck knows. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yes. living in the moment. Though. Yes, yes it look, is. we're playing then, home home to Aston Villa in two weeks' time, and they've scored eleven goals in the Premier League. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to let you be optimistic for a fortnight. We'll leave it there. Hey, as always, the guys you want to follow on Twitter are the two intelligent gentlemen who managed to get a word in edgewise when I'm busy asking them five hundred word questions. Um, James Gunner Fanatic forty nine. James, as always, it's a pleasure. A sincere pleasure. All the yes. best, guys. Thank you. And 
Uh, the man who coined the phrase that is his Twitter handle based on a win over Manchester City, pausing it in my pants. Paul, uh, as always, thanks for joining us. Woohoo! There it is. That's the perfect way to leave it. I hope you enjoy the win wherever you are. It was a long time in the making and well-deserved, so uh, celebrate away. We will potentially talk to you after uh, Brighton away, but more likely after Villa at home, where we'll be discussing where it all went wrong. Uh, my name is Elliot Smith. You can follow me at Yankee Gunner. This has been the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. In the latest episode of History This Week, we take a closer look at a failed insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building in 1861, when the nation was on the cusp of a civil war. Nearly 160 years later, what can we learn from this moment when democracy was challenged? And check out all our episodes this month as History This Week celebrates Black History Month. Last week, we covered the Greensboro sit-ins that sparked a media firestorm and inspired mass sit-ins across the country. Next week, we travel to Australia and witness Sydney students taking a freedom ride of their own for Aboriginal civil rights. After that, we'll be exploring the origins of jazz. For these stories and more, subscribe to History This Week wherever you listen to podcasts. A cash recommends.